2: Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham, talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. And do we ever have an interesting topic today? The buzz is net new. (laughs) Ha! I'm talking about the net generation. Stay tuned. You'll find out. Brace yourself, everyone. I have breaking news. If you've been hiding under a rock, this may be news. If not, you may be saying, oh, that again? Here we go. By 2015, which was just last year, millennials were already the largest generational cohort, meaning demographic group, in the U.S. workforce. That's right. They're here. They are among us. They are not going anywhere. Now, it's not surprising to those of us who know this and accept this fact that the millennials have a characteristic work style They care deeply about workplace satisfaction. It matters to them the quality of work life. They care about social networking. We already know that. They care about BYOD, bring your own device, and mobility, top of mind, connected all the time. Well, their work style has changed many areas of business, including, wait for it, wait for it, you know what I'm going to say because this is financial excellence with game changers, including the historically trend and technology-averse finance department. I didn't say finance was stuffy or stuck. I just said they're averse to changes. Well, here come the millennials. As a result, financial professionals around the world are now seeing their role, their job, what work means to them, what finance means to them within the enterprise, seeing it differently. So, we're going to talk about what are the implications for the finance professional today in the near term and in the future. I have a panel of three very savvy thought leaders who are going to share their insights. First up, I'm very pleased to welcome John Ariano. I'll spell his last name for you, A-R-E-L-L-A-N-O, a senior manager at Deloitte Consulting, and shout out to all our good friends at Deloitte. And John has sent me a quote from Margaret Thatcher, those of you who don't know who she is, you must have been hiding under a rock for a long time, Margaret Hilda Thatcher, Baroness Thatcher. She has so many letters after her last name, I can't keep up with them. She was a British stateswoman and politician who was the prime minister of the UK from 1979 to 1990 and leader of the UK Conservative Party in that same time frame, a little earlier actually, from 75 to 1990. She was the longest-serving British prime minister of the 20th century and is currently the only woman to have held that office She was once dubbed the Iron Lady by a journalist, a Soviet journalist, actually, because Margaret Thatcher was uncompromising in her politics and her leadership style. They even named her policies after her as Thatcherism. I'm just going to stop there. Here's the quote, plan your work for today and every day, then work your plan. John Ariano, welcome. How are you today? Hey,
3: good morning. Doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: Good. Thank you. Delighted. And I have to do a shout out to so many of our friends at Deloitte Consulting. We have Carla Neal. We have Natalie Butlin. We have all kinds of people who've been working with us. John, you're one of a long line of thought leaders who have joined Game Changers Radio from Deloitte. So shout out to all the good people there who, yeah, who absolutely. connected you with us. Yeah. So John, talk to me. Are you a fan? Were you a fan of Margaret Thatcher? And uh, how come you picked this quote for our okay. talk, our talk today?
3: I'm a fan of Margaret Thatcher. You know, I just became at an early age really fascinated with the British culture, and then that eventually turned into British politics. But I think, you know, that quote resonated very well with me. You know, one is from the Iron Lady. But, uh, you know, so many great leaders always talk about having a, you know, a short-term and a long-term long term plan. And to me, this is really the roadmap to your success and my success Really, it's, it's, it's taking those small steps each day and letting those small steps build to you know, your ultimate end goal. You know, Of course, <clears throat> you know, we got to map it out and execute, but along the way, also be able to manage some of the change and ambiguity that comes along with it. But that was one of the main reasons why I picked it, just because it's something that I live by, and I've heard so many great leaders you know, within our firm and outside that always talk about a short and a long-term plan, and this resonated very well with me.
0: Thank you, John. Now, are you a millennial? You want to admit to yes or no? I'm not. You look like you could be. You look like you could be not on the leading edge, but somewhere in the middle. Your picture is very, very young looking. That's a compliment, John. And my question (laughs) to you is, since we're talking about millennials and finance and millennials being Trend forward, being forward looking, bringing a new work style, bringing new, so many new implications of who they are, what they believe in, what the, how they want to structure their lives into the workforce and specifically into finance. Do you think this is something that a millennial, and, and I think we might have one on the panel today, I'm not sure. Do you think a millennial would use this as his or her mantra, plan your work for today and every day, then work your plan? Do you think they understand or they believe in planning long term, short term, John? No,
3: I absolutely, I absolutely think so. Now, you know, in some cases, just from my experience, it's been more of the, the short term, you know, let me map out my next two to five years instead of going out further, you know, up to 10 years and 15 years. But, you know, as far as short term planning, absolutely. I've seen it. I've seen a lot of millennials that uh, we have brought on board and um, outside of this firm as well that I always talk about, you know, here's my goal within the next two to five years.
0: Thank you very much. That's interesting. We will find out if that is true, if if other panelists agree with you. John, welcome to the show. Real pleasure. I still think you're a millennial in hiding. I don't know. I just have a funny feeling. I have my
3: tri- <clears throat> I have my parents to, to thank for some good genes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, yes. Tell them hello. Now, let's go to our second panelist. She is a returning panelist, but it's been way too long since she's been on the radio with us. It's Selena Rogers, Vice President and Editorial Director for CFO Publishing, and Selena has sent me a quote from Malala Yousafzai. And those of you who don't know who Malala is, you've really been hiding. Malala is 18. She is a Pakistani education activist and the youngest ever Nobel laureate. And I'll just tell you quickly what happened to her. Um, On the afternoon of October 9, 2012, she got on a school bus in the northwest Pakistani district of SWAT, S-W-A-T. A gunman asked for her by name, pointed a pistol, and fired three shots directly into her. Uh, They tried to kill her, bottom line, and she recovered and she became a national and worldwide spokesperson. Actually, she's been called the most famous teenager in the world. Uh, The UN Special Envoy for Global Education Gordon Brown launched a UN petition in her name demanding all children worldwide be in school by the end of 2015 and Time Magazine 2013, 14 and 15 issues featured Malala as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. There is so many accolades attached to her name it would take the whole show so here's the quote selena picked from malala some people only ask others to do something i believe that why should i wait for someone else why don't i take a step and move forward amen selena rogers how have you been very well thank you such a pleasure to be here pleasure to have you are you a millennial can you can you uh, grab that one (laughs) I'm definitely not a millennial, no. I'm firmly in Gen X. Uh, you know, all three panelists have sent me such young-looking pictures. I think you all tried to fool me into thinking this was going to pa- be a panel of millennials talking about millennials. But I, I for the purpose of the show, I'm going to say we have a panel of three millennials at heart. Let's just go with that, okay? <laughs> Selena, are you a big fan of Malala? Tell me how you found this quote. It's a great quote, by the way. I am. I am such a great admirer of hers. Um, I I think that the quote for me
1: really illustrates some of the very best qualities of the younger generations that are coming up. Um, There is a kind of civic-mindedness, a concern for others, a desire to give back that I think is really sort of unmatched um, from from what we've seen so far, and I, I think that it's just an incredible energy and passion for us to tap into, no matter what field we're working in. Um, so so that's why I picked it. Um, that's one reason. And another reason is that I think it shows the kind of um, sort of forward-looking, um, self-starting motivation um, that so many millennials actually have, I think. There's uh, quite a reputation among millennials for seeking a lot of feedback and a lot of guidance, and I'm sure that's true in many cases. But I think for me, this quote really illustrates something else, a kind of self-motivation and a desire to move forward and lead. Um, so, So that's why I picked it.
0: Interesting. And a little more background. Thank you. So a little more background on Malala that might have been the reason she was targeted. When she was 11 years old, she wrote a blog under a pseudonym for the BBC Urdu detailing her life under Taliban occupation and her views on promoting education for girls in the valley where she lives. And then they made a New York Times documentary about her life, just as the Pakistani military intervened in the region. So she rose in prominence. She was prominent on TV and radio. Do you think that? that embracing of i have i won't say the the uh, the i have a dream speech but do you think that embracing of a cause as a very very young girl was what brought her to prominence and got her into trouble any thoughts on that oh absolutely i mean i think her embrace of all the different ways that
1: that people can connect with one another, certainly through media, through social media. um, She's been active on many channels and has been sought out on many channels in traditional and social media. And the sort of network that she's built, again, is a kind of epitome of what is possible um, when millennials are are taking advantage of technology in a way that I think it's fair to say they uniquely know how to do. Um, Certainly, she rose to prominence And that placed her in some danger, but I think that is a testament to her courage, and um, she's just someone to be
0: tremendously admired. Exactly. Very good point. And the word courage, I'm glad you brought that up because I think during this show today, Selena and John, and I'm going to bring on Henner Schliebs from SAP, who I still think is a millennial too. Uh, the word courage may be something we want to talk about in terms of the courage of millennials to bring their work style, their preferences, their patterns, their everything into the workplace and saying, wait a minute, I'm here, I'm, I'm living this dream in our workplace, I'm sharing this space, I'm sharing this profession of finance, and I am going to make changes because that's just the way it is and maybe that takes courage in a very staunch profession we'll talk about that later thank you so much Lena, and welcome back to Game Changers and now I have just t- tipped the uh, tip the dip the toe into the water of our next panelist it's Henner Schliebs, marketing executive heading SAP's global finance audio marketing audience marketing and Henner has sent me a very erudite quote from Alexandra Dumas feast now feast means sun in French those of you who don't know that, and there was an Alexandre Dumas, D-U-M-A-S, pair, the father. So Alexandre Dumas fils lived from 1824 to 1895. He was a French writer and dramatist, best known for writing Camille, the Lady of the Camellias. And very interesting, another award winner, he was awarded the French Legion d'Honneur, Legion of Honor Medal in 1894. But he was an illegitimate child of a dressmaker and his father, Alexandre Dumas, Père. His father legally recognized him to ensure the young Dumas received the best education possible. And the law at that time allowed the father to take the child away from the mother. Hence, the agony inspired the son to write about tragic female characters. Here, education has reared its head. I don't even know if you knew that when you picked the quote, Henner, but here's the quote Henner has selected, and this is a doozy. All generations are dangerous, even this one. Henner sleeps. Where have you been? It's been so long. have you been?
4: (laughs) Hey, I've been uh, quite around a bit. Uh, We had some uh, great business going on, and uh, I was digging into it uh, for the last year or so, so I'm happy to be here again after a year now.
0: We're happy, too. And I'm just reflecting on the quote from Selena Rogers from Malala, where education was such a theme and making a difference. And here we have some education being very important in this uh, tragedy of the Dumas, if you will, that fueled so much of their literature. So all generations are dangerous, even this one. What does that mean to us? Are you saying that the millennials are dangerous in the finance profession, Hannah? Come on, admit it. Come on, come on, tell me.
4: The- no, no, no. It's, it's, it's more meant like uh, technically I'm not a, a millennial, right? Because uh, I'm way too old to be a millennial. But if I take a look at what is considered the typical behavior of a, of a millennial and the typical expectations of a millennial, I am certainly a millennial, right? Because I stand for all the, the good points that millennials are making in this world, and I fully back them, and uh, hey, I'm a millennial.
0: there's a there's a joke that uh john may know selena may know i don't think henner uh on uh what is it in um new york on saint patrick's day march 17th everyone is irish so for the purposes of this show everybody's got in there there are there's a a quote there's an old advertising campaign for levy's jewish rye i'll leave that one on the table won't have any of that right now very interesting so how dangerous are they henner what does this mean the word danger is the, is the finance profession cowering in a corner the old guard excuse me saying oh mg the millennials are here what are they going to do next is is there that kind yep. of a fear set up
4: for, for me the dangerous part is putting them into a draw right and and having millennials as this uh, homogeneous type of people which is not the case right i know a lot of people that are even older than i am that could be millennials from their behavior and expectations as well, right? And I think the dangerous part is uh, saying, oh, these millennials are coming and we have to be prepared for these millennials. For Uh me, it's not really a generational conflict. It's more a shift in perception of uh, people at work and especially in the finance department, right? And this does not have to do with their age. It's more like a, a structural change of the requirements we see in the finance department. And this is where I see, I know a lot of young people that are way more conservative than I am and uh, Mm -hmm. way more traditional and old-fashioned than I am and not part of this typical uh, millennial um, thinking, so to speak, right? So for me, it's, again, not not a millennial thing. It's it's a shift in society and it's a shift in, in the workforce And uh, everybody is and should be part of this.
0: Thank you very much. Interesting start to our conversation. But before we take our break and head into the roundtable, we're going to turn back to John Ariano at Deloitte Consulting. And we're going to ask John, where are you calling from? What time is it? And what are you drinking? If it's interesting, if not, what are you planning to drink later, John?
3: Yeah, so I am calling from the great state of Texas. I'm uh, currently in Dallas and uh, it 's you know about eleven eighteen in the morning, so uh, that 's why it 's a good morning when I opened but uh not nothing interesting, not anything really interesting i 'm drinking i 'm drinking water, so that 's not the interesting thing about this. so I am over the last two weeks been moving more towards the health the healthy side, and the reason why is I have a a good friend of mine for for many 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 years are uh, planning to do what we first thought was a marathon, then went to half a marathon. There's now a 10K, <laughs> so it might go to the 5K <laughs> a little bit later. But we're going to do a race, let's just call it that, in China here next uh, May on the Great Wall. So it's time for me mm. to start training and uh, slumming down. So that's the interesting part and why I've made the healthy choice of water at this time.
0: Wow. Talk about Margaret Thatcher's quote, plan your work for today and every day then work your plan. You're working it. That's yeah, very
3: interesting. Baby steps, right? Baby steps are doing a, a couple of miles a day. So that's exactly, you know, I, I love by that, you know, so definitely planning out.
0: Hey, as a woman in government, she probably didn't get anywhere by taking giant leaps right away. She probably took a political campaign and political career baby steps somewhere along the way that led her to become known as the Iron Lady. Well, good for you. We're rooting for you. And now let's ask Selena Rogers, where are you calling from and what's at your cup today, Selena?
1: Well, I'm calling from Boston, Massachusetts today. It's just afternoon and Mm -hmm. I... I, too, am drinking water, but I cannot pretend to have anywhere near as interesting a story behind that as John. I drink water because it's hydrating, by definition, and super healthy, and, um, you know, around the office, there has been sort of a joke that I should carry a, a water pitcher and a glass with me wherever I go. That is the extent of my devotion to my hydration, so there you go. I'm drinking water, too, John, but I wish I were... I were preparing to run along the Great Wall. That would be much cooler. <laughs> well, you are a, a changing the workplace,
0: life. Selena. You are impacting <laughs> the workplace with your personal style. It's just the same. I don't there think it matters go. what what Jen. We're talking about the workplace is now no longer impervious to the people working there. Maybe that's a bigger theme, but we are going to focus on millennials. Thank you, Henner Schliebs, Oh, come on! You're not going to tell me you're drinking water too? Where are you calling from? Make it make it different. <laughs> be different.
4: Hey, I'm calling from my ranch in Austin, Texas. Howdy, everybody. And uh, I'm drinking water, but uh, showing again that I'm a millennial, I'm drinking sparkling water, which is infused with cherry and lime. And the mundane reason why I'm drinking water is because I already had too much coffee this morning.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, as uh, Henner knows, and as Selena may remember, they don't let Bonnie have caffeinated beverages on radio show days, especially not on Tuesdays because I do two shows an hour apart. This is the second show, so I'm really revved. So I have cool, clear water, Brita filtered water in a cool, pretty white, a pretty clear glass, a mug with a pink straw because I'm hoping. Selena, if you're sharing my New York weather system, I'm hoping we get a little sunshine later today. So that's what the pink straw is for. We have a very interesting topic and a very lively panel. We're talking about millennials and your finance organization, work style impacts business. Who are they? What are they doing? What are they bringing to work? What do they want to do to change and morph and mold the finance profession itself? Not just the desks and the windows and the chairs at work, but what happens In finance. We have a lot more to talk about with our three panelists John Ariano at Deloitte Consulting, Selena Rogers at CFO Publishing, Henner Schliebs at SAP Finance. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and I plan to be after the break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. And join me on Twitter. We have a very lively Twitter party here going at hashtag SAPRADIO. You know what that spells. So let's take a quick one. Michael, out.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. S4 HANA Finance, powered by SAP, is part of SAP S4 HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP S4 HANA Finance draws upon innovative in-memory mobile and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more about SAP S4 HANA Finance at SAP.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers.
0: Yes, indeed. Financial excellence is what we're all looking for, and today we're talking about the impact of the millennial generation. They're here, and they're here to stay in force, and they are entering the finance profession. What does that mean to your company? Let's start off our roundtable with some notes from John Ariano at Deloitte Consulting. And John sent me the following statements, and he's just going to expand these for us. John says, Millennials are money conscious and interested in finance. They share 13 times more content about finances on LinkedIn in than the preceding generation, Gen X. So let's talk about money. What does money mean to millennials? And as they enter the workforce in the finance profession, or maybe they didn't start out as finance majors, but they land there. John, let's expand it and tell us what this all means, please.
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you. So uh, you know, of course, you know, back in the '90s when we were going up, you know, we didn't have social media to the extent we have it now, but uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the millennial generational financial trend, right? So m- many millennials today are equipped with uh, a college background in financial studies. In two thousand three, um, 2013, sorry, according to the Pew Research Center, so we had about 34% um, that were between 25 and 32 years of age held bachelor's degrees versus 25% of Gen Xers. So with that, you know, I wanted to kind of bring it back just a little bit and talk about the recession. So from 2007 to 2009, you know, we hit a, a recession and from talking and, and just, you know, hearing some conversations with millennials, that kind of became the, the generation of savers. And that's one thing I think I've started seeing is you know, folks like, I don't know when, I mean, going, when this recession could possibly hit again. So it automatically said, I need to save my money. I need to invest my money. We also also had some, um, some colleagues that shared some news with their, with their friends that talked about, you know, during this town time of, you know, with this recession, they weren't able to start their career because companies, organizations weren't just hiring. So no entry-level jobs were available at that particular time. So many of those millennials at that time are going back to school to restart their career. Hmm. My final point you know, that I wanted to make on this little subject here is you know, many millennials have started saving for retirement in their early 20s. And compared to, and I was not one that started that early, but compared to a medium age of 35 for those boomers who had saved, and of course that, that comes from the Transamerica Institute study, but it was just really interesting how how early. They start understanding the importance of finance, and not just spending money because I'm making money. It's more about saving money and investing money for the future.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Something I I wouldn't have figured. Uh, John, what's the correlation between that and their interest in being in the finance profession? Any quick comments before I invite Selena to comment?
3: Yeah. So I just think you know, it, it, going through school they just now starting to see, okay, I need to, you know, broaden my experience. I need to understand a little bit more. So they take these finance classes, and then mm-hmm. when they start going to the workplace, there's a lot of finance opportunities that are available, particularly within SAP or in a lot of organizations. Finance, you know, is the backbone of a lot of these organizations, and they are now starting to see that. So along with their studies, their interest, it just kind of makes sense for them to kind of demorph uh, into the finance role.
0: Interesting, Selena Rogers. Your observations from your perch at CFO Publishing. What do you see? Well, I think that that is a very interesting
1: set of observations. Certainly, um, in the conversations that we've had and in the um, efforts that we've made to watch the market, it seemed that through the recession, there was a strong interest in the finance profession from millennials. Um, but we were sort of attributing that to finance being considered a kind of safe choice. As John points out, the backbone of the organization certainly um, a critical uh, organizational function and one that... um, with these sort of waves of increasing uh, regulatory scrutiny um, that finance functions and companies in general have been coping with in recent years seem to offer something of a future. So all that sort of regulation um, that came uh, sort of thundering toward companies in the wake of, for example, the recent financial crisis, I think in some ways um, provided a sense that uh, finance and compliance functions were functions that had some job security um, and were highly in demand. Um, So that's what I would sort of set that down to. Um, I certainly think it's interesting that millennials have such a keen interest in personal finance, um, and I think that that sort of feeds into that desire among at least some cohorts of millennials to find more secure work. But also to find meaning within that work, um, and and that's where I think many finance functions will be challenged to provide that sense of meaning, along with the kind of security and centrality to the organization that finance has offered in the past.
0: Interesting, and Selena, something I just want to pick up quickly before I invite Henner to join us in this part of the conversation. You mentioned generational cohorts, cohorts within millennials. So is there any segmentation among millennials we should be aware of? Is it age-based? Is it leading edge, cutting edge, trailing edge? Is it uh, those who had finance studies in college or didn't? What would be that, that differential within the millennials? Anything to make us aware of?
1: Well, I, I was sort of alluding to, to, to Henner's point that mm-hmm. millennials are not really a kind of monolithic generation. There are many different interests. Uh, represented within that sort of broader generational cohort. I do think that millennials and post-millennials may have a slightly different approach to work and we're only just beginning to get our arms around what the post-millennial wave will be like. So I do think that there's probably a meaningful distinction there, um, but it, it's one that's coming up a little bit more on the horizon, but soon, but quickly.
0: Thank you. Thank you for elaborating. Henner Schliebs, talk to us about the topic that John Ariano started, please.
4: Yes, I, I see this uh, the same way, right? Especially given that the, the typical finance function is a very, very traditional one, right? As uh, Selena also carved out with, uh, to do with uh, compliance, to do with regulatory reporting, very, very conservative, right? And the changes that we see with uh, being more open to progressive approaches of investing and to their expectations uh, as, as a workplace in finance, I think we see some changes coming up in finance, right? that The traditional hierarch- hierarchical uh, setup of a finance organization, as an example, is not something that a typical stereotype millennial feels familiar with and is something that this person desires, right? So, so having this freedom of, I want to work whenever I want to work. If it's a Sunday afternoon, I work on a Sunday afternoon. If I want to, quote-unquote, take off on a Monday afternoon, I can do so because I'm getting my job done. I think this is drastically changing the finance organization. And hey, we're, we're in technology here, right? Technological advancement over the last couple of years makes this possible.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay, uh, John Ariana, I'm going to go back to you and ask if you have any comments on what your co-panelists just shared on the topic you opened for us.
3: No, the only the only comment I, I think I wanted to kind of confirm and is with Selena's around. You know, the, kind of the safe route, and and I do agree with that as well. You know, you know, early on we've heard that you know there's a lot of opportunities in the finance. You know. Work workplace for you know for roles and that's what uh, we also seen as well. So I, I definitely agree with that statement, Selena.
0: Thank you very much. Let me move ahead. Oh, the sun is coming out. The pink straw must have worked. Selena, is the sun out in Boston? Not yet. It's still pretty cloudy here, but it's nice to I'm know it might s- be coming. I'm going to send it north, northeast to you. I will, I will put it in a little balloon and send it up to you. Okay. Okay. Selena, let's talk about the reaction of finance as an organization, as a profession, as a group to what millennials are bringing in. Let me read a statement here from your notes. You say, if you sit down to talk with CFOs and senior finance executives about their most pressing management concerns, intergenerational management, especially managing the millennial workers, emerges as a top priority for most. Are they worried? Are they scared, Selena? What does this mean, their top concern? Are millennials hard to manage? Are they a pleasure? Are they disruptive for good reasons or bad? All of the above. Selena, talk to me, please.
1: I think that there is, and and we've alluded to this a bit
0: um, in our conversation so far, but there's a sense that
1: some of the values that many millennials are bringing to their professional lives are not completely consistent, and some of them are very consistent with, with work in finance, but some of them may be at odds with the way finance has traditionally been run. So, for example, finance departments tend to be quite conservative, as Henner pointed out. They tend to run on pretty fixed Scheduled, They tend to be, at least historically, geared towards scheduled reporting activities, scheduled planning, budgeting, and forecasting activities, and the adjustment to the kind of ad hoc demand of the modern workplace and modern business has been a major priority for finance professionals in general. Um, so when millennials come into finance, I think that many um, finance leaders recognize that their interest in a variety of work, in flexibility in their working lives. And as tenor points out in their ability to sort of be more self determinative about how and when they work can be a challenge for finance functions to absorb. But I also know that many finance leaders see this as a tremendous opportunity that by absorbing millennials and their approach to work into finance, they can help transform their finance function it functions in ways that are incredibly important. To the business in general. So, yes, there is some challenge there, but there's also a great upside of opportunity in bringing millennials into the finance workplace.
0: Interesting. Henna, I have to make a comment here. If working on Sundays because you feel like it is a hallmark of the millennial generation, I, an almost leading-edge baby boomer, must now be reincarnated on this earth as a millennial. I'm just going to let that sit on the table. So thank you so much, Henner, for giving me back about 40 years of my life because I'm a, I'm thinking like a millennial now. And there's some really bad jokes about that. We won't go there. Henner, talk to me about what Selena said. Do you agree that CFOs and top senior finance executives are really worried about managing millennials and why? What do you think? Yeah.
4: Absolutely. It's, it's the whole paradigm shift, right? Think, think about how millennials grew up, right? They grew up with Internet. They grew up with a, a cell phone that is connected to the Internet and that basically manages all their personal lives, right? This expectation is transferred into their business life. They come to the office and say, what is that and, and and they are pointing at it as a desktop computer right and and they they don 't want to work with that kind of stuff right? They have their own iMac or whatever uh, uh, laptop computer, and they want to use their devices and as mentioned, they are whatever traveling to their friends because there's a concert in San Antonio and they are on the road, they want to work from the road, they sit in the mm-hmm. back seat of their car they want to be able to uh uh, access the uh, financial analytics data that they need to do uh, sorry need to have in order to make a decision for the next uh, process step or something like that right This is the expectation that the, the, the um, commodities they have in their uh, personal lives transformed into the business the professional life and I think uh, this is one of the points the CFOs of these days need to be aware of. That there is a fundamental technological change needed in the finance organization system landscape from a from a technology perspective, right? And mm. this is the one piece. The second piece is um, that um,
2: millennials,
4: so to speak, want some more purpose in their professional life. For them, it's very very important that they are not "quote unquote" just an accountant. They want to see what is my contribution to uh, the overall of the company and what is the company's contribution to society. So there's a Deloitte study out there uh, that has figured out that uh, 77% of those millennials figured out the company's purpose was a major part of the decision-making process in accepting an offer of this company. Mm -hmm. And we try to see this, right? Our CFO puts together our annual report at our company, and it's not just a financial-based annual report. Uh, It's more the contrary, right? Uh, Our integrated report features about 70% non-financial data, like uh, environmental data, like society data, like social data around uh, our workforce, our employees at, at our company, our whole ecosystem. And what is it that our company gives back to society? And I think this is a very, very drastic change in uh, how a CFO should uh, perceive his or her role within an organization because they are responsible for this integrated reporting, right, giving the company a purpose.
0: Very interesting. Now, that's a very much of a cultural influence and maybe even a demand. John Ariano at Deloitte Consulting, love to have your POV on this. Agree, disagree?
3: Yeah no I think uh all of them touch some of the the points I definitely have as well. I think one thing that I would throw into this uh, to this topic is what we're calling the loyalty challenge with organizations. I think one thing, you know, there's a lot of great millennials that are bringing new, fresh ideas to the table. So how do we incorporate, how do we communicate with these millennials to hear their thoughts, their ideas, and incorporate them into the finance area? How do we provide them growth? You know, I think uh, definitely Henry just t- Henry t- touched on it, but they want more. What is the meaning? What am I doing? You know, and, and I think, you know, also we have to understand that the millennials aren't just tech guys. You know, I've heard this a number, a number of times when we bring on a millennial. The first thing some of the older generations will go to is like, "Hey, can you fix this Excel for reporting purposes? Can you put some macros?" And the, and in some cases, like that's not all I'm here for, right? I, I want to be. I don't want to be known as the tech guy in this. For Excel, as an example, I can offer more. So it's really understanding the millennials, and, and that loyalty challenge, coming back to that, is how do we retain them? There's a lot of great millennials in the workplace that a lot of uh, firms organizations need to retain.
0: Interesting. Retention. We've just gotten them in, and now we're trying to retain them, and that's because they are valuable. Selena Rogers, you want to talk about what John just brought up, please? Yes, I think that you know it is
1: incredibly true that retaining millennials, um, focusing on building their loyalty to the company is a real challenge. And as Henner pointed out, one of the ways to do that is to help them understand how what they do in finance impacts on the larger mission of the organization. For, for me, at, at TFO Publishing, thinking about how to talk to finance leaders about this What emerges as really important to my mind is that finance leaders need to understand how finance contributes to the organization, how finance can and should contribute to the organization. And so I think that this is a moment for finance leadership to really think through what that finance contribution should be, how they're going to structure that, and then think about how their organizations as a whole, including um, the millennials that they're bringing on board, can be educated to understand that and really participate in that and see the full impact of the value that they bring. Um, I, I also think that, just to follow up on another point that was made, um, many millennials entering the workforce and finance leaders, CFOs, and their leadership teams are very well aware of this. They're quite disappointed when they come into work on their first day in finance. They're expecting enterprise technology to, in many ways, um, exceed or outstrip their experience with personal technology. So imagine their surprise when on their first day on the job, maybe they're sitting down to a green screen and a blinking cursor. This is a big shock (laughs) for them, particularly, as Tanner points out, they're looking for data anywhere, anytime, um, as they go about their daily lives in that kind of seamless and dynamic way. They've been educated to expect data and information from personal technology. So I think there are a couple of trends there um, raised by my fellow panelists that are, are very important to finance leaders thinking about how to incorporate millennials.
0: Very interesting. I brought up a couple of great points in there, and I'm going to use that as a nice segue, I think, Selena, into some notes from Henner Schliebs. He says, the tech-savvy workforce, not just millennials – want convenience at work. They want technology. They want a culture of transparency. They want models for agility. They want work-life balance, which I think uh, we learned to call a couple years ago at SAP. They told us no such thing as work-life balance. It's work-life integration. Thank you for those of us who like to work on Saturdays and Sundays. They want to work smarter, not harder. They want to be part of something bigger. Henner Schliebs, is all of this describing just millennials or other parts of the workforce? And let's focus on the finance profession. So, does everybody want the same thing as millennials now? Have they influenced it so deeply that their cultural needs, their career goals are shared by everybody else?
4: Thoughts? I think there has been some form of uh, reverse mentoring, right? That that we all mm-hmm. have learned from these younger people that we've labeled here as the millennials, right? This convenience this why should I do a job that can be automated? Why should I do it? There's no purpose in this, right? If a machine can do it, why should I do it? And, and uh, work-life balance, as mentioned, right? It's, it's not this 9 to 5 Monday through Friday anymore. Uh, the, the, the boundaries between professional life and personal life are, are completely diluted, right, due to technology because you are available 24-7 through your device and you want to be connected to your company 24-7 because right now in the morning uh, for an hour you do not want to work because you go out and, and jog through the woods, right? But uh, in the evening, once you settle down, you want to do some uh, work of your day. And I think this convenience uh, that, that improves our all lives is something that we can learn from the millennials. And I think, uh, taking me as an example, I have learned from them, right? I am a millennial. Hmm.
0: We stand strong. John Ariano. talk to yeah. me. Do, do you agree that they're, they are so involved and infiltrated or inculcated or ingrained is the word I'm looking for eventually, Bonnie the Human Thesaurus? I don't think so. Are they so ingrained, the millennials of the workforce, that now what they want is what everybody wants? And is this disruptive? What do you see from the vantage point of your, your research and your work at Delay Consulting?
3: Yeah, so I don't know if disruptive is the right right word to add, but I think, it, you know, for me, I had to kind of like adjust and understand them a little bit better. You know, I have a funny story, you know, I was sending an instant message to a millennial about something for work. It was pretty early in the morning. He was replying because I was online. I was like, well, when can we meet up? And he's like, well, I'm actually jogging right now. <laughs> so, so I was like, this is absolutely great. I'm having to learn from them as well, you know. Me now getting into running, it's like, okay, I could use that, right? I'm connected 24-7 now. I can easily answer questions while I'm taking a 30-minute run. And, you know, that's something that, that I think you know, I'm having to learn from them. You know, questioning, I think he, he brought up, you know, questioning the automation of work, huge in, in what we do. There's a lot of uh, programs that, that we run manually, and, and the question I get constantly is, Why? 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 Why can't we automate that? And that's something that, you know, in the past, you know, we're so ingrained on doing what we know that we don't step back and ask ourselves that same question. But now that they're coming in asking, and I'm having to take a step back. And it's like, that's a good question. Why not? Let's, let's explore this. You know, what are you thinking? And starting to, to learn from them.
0: Very interesting. Selena Rogers, love to get your POV on this. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, what's so interesting about that is when when we have millennials
1: bringing that fresh perspective into the workplace, looking around and questioning why certain processes haven't been automated, in many ways they are actually very focused on value, very interested in the value that they can bring to the organization and that finance can bring to the organization. So I think that's one, one thing that stands out and something that, as, as Hannah and John point out, we can learn from them. At the same time, You know, just to pick up on something that John had mentioned, millennials entering the workforce sometimes feel uncomfortable with being the technology people, you know. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the value that they're bringing to the organization isn't necessarily from their perspective to, you know, improve uh, some sort of manual reporting process, as John put it, you know, can, can you help me write a new macro for this reporting spreadsheet? I think that to step back, though, and think about the skills that millennials do bring to the um, workplace environment. Far more, in, in addition to technology, is the way they have been conditioned to interact with information and understand information. And I think one skill they have that may be somewhat underestimated that could be incredibly valuable to finance organizations is their ability to distinguish between information that is valuable and relevant and information that isn't, that is superfluous in some way and should be discarded. That's something that I've noticed you know, just on a personal level with um, you know, younger uh, members of uh, new generations coming into the workforce, this incredible discernment and ability to get to the core of information and analysis problems very, very quickly. Um, and I think for a lot of finance functions, that is a tremendously valuable skill that, that should be capitalized on.
0: Thank you. And uh, panelists, I want to roll this forward a little bit. We're not quite at the crystal ball predictions round of the show, but I would like to look forward a little bit as a group and maybe we'll start the predictions early. So I'm going to start with John Ariano at Deloitte and then go to Selena Rogers at CFO Publishing and Henry Schliebs at SAP Finance and ask you, now that millennials are here, they're in the workforce, they want to work. They love to work. They have goals. They have passions. They want things to be better for everyone. They want to be challenged. They want their jobs and their companies to matter, to make a difference, to contribute to the world. I think I summed it up okay. They cut their teeth on technology. They have expectations for what the workforce will give them in terms of tools. So let's fast forward a little bit. As millennials move up, what we used to know is the corporate ladder. I don't know what they call it today. Uh, Maybe the rock scaling, the mountain scaling complex. I don't know what they call it or what the color of the ceiling is. As they move into leadership roles, as millennials become the CFO, as they sit in the C-suite and the workforce is flooded with their peers, do you think that will exponentially drive technology advances ahead for finance? Will it exponentially drive the value structure of the finance organization as part of a bigger enterprise structure organization. So what do you see as the future of the millennials getting into that chair known as the CFO and impacting the whole finance organization? John, any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I I definitely think you're going to see something that they're always looking for is a little more flexibility. I think you're going to see changing, I'd say changing of the guard, but, you know, with technology, I think you're going to see a lot of the new capabilities. I know SAP specifically has new capabilities. I'm going to say it's targeted to millennials, but it's something that's very intuitive. It's easy to use. It's more user friendly. I think you're going to see that escalated and pushed a little bit quicker as you see those millennials get in that chair.
0: Interesting. Okay, Selena, let's uh, let's talk about this. Thoughts, how, how far in the future do you think it will take for millennials to have enough CFO roles that we are talking about the millennial CFO? I
1: think it's coming up relatively quickly. Um in fact, I think um Before too long, I would say in the next five or ten years, we'll be seeing more and more people um, in what we've called the millennial generation sitting in those chairs, and I absolutely think it will make a difference in the sort of technology approach in finance. Um, So much of what finance has done traditionally has been very scheduled, um, has been based on um, sort of set processes and systems that have grown over time, Um, I think that the fresh perspectives that millennials will bring to the role will really accelerate and drive change, if for no other reason than that kind of value consciousness that we've just been talking about. What value does this manual process bring to the organization? A a sort of... um, A process that is highly manual, that's really set in stone, that's very resource intensive by definition is not a very meaningful thing to be doing. So if we're talking about people who are interested in bringing meaning to work, um, then I
0: think that that's one of the first places where you'll see them have an impact. Interesting. Hannah Schliebs, what do you think? In your lifetime, anytime soon?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we, we already see the impact that millennials have on us with the whole topics around digitalization, right? They are the ones when dra- driving from A to B, uh, mentioning on ways, hey, there's a, there's a policeman standing around the corner or something like that, right? They want this digitalized world because they grew up with it. They grew up with information all over the place in the internet. And they are expecting this also within the organization, right? So the topic of transparency is very, very uh, high priority for those millennials, and we see more and more through the digital leaders within modern and proactive uh, organizations that the transparency topic is is uh, really on the forefront of uh, of their ambitions in the digitalization of their organizations right and this is this is uh, what's driving the tearing down of boundaries within an organization and Selena can talk better to this than i but uh, CFO research and SAP together have done the uh, research around uh, the the finance function of the future right and we see that um, that financial executives are expecting those internal departmental boundaries to come down over the foreseeable future, because it doesn't make sense anymore, right? Everything is mm-hmm. digitalized, and why have these artificial boundaries within an organization if, if you're way better off with horizontal processes rather than these um, structured uh, vertical departments that uh, we have been used to uh, over the, p- the past 60 years or so, right? And I think this this is already the impact that millennials have on us. Uh, I was talking about this reverse mentoring. They have shown us the way how it's supposed to be, and the current generation in the leadership levels are implementing this already.
0: Thank you. And I want to just read quickly a quote from an article I was Googling while you were all speaking after I asked my question. Training Millennials for the CFO Suite. Seat, excuse me. Doug Shackelford, Dean, UNC University of North Carolina, Keenan Flagler Business School. What is needed to prepare, train, develop the next generation of CFOs before they embark on their professional careers? Doug Shackelford explains how graduate programs are staying relevant to the millennial generation with individualized academic experiences and courses designed to broaden talents and capabilities needed to help reach the CFO. Suite. He discusses how digital tools and uh, this is a uh, CFO Journal, Deloitte. Uh, he discusses how digital tools and innovations in experiential learning and continuous. Continuous Education are Transforming the Traditional Curricula and Preparing Today's Business School Students to Become Tomorrow's Business Leaders. Very interesting, a very hot topic. So I want to give you each 30 seconds for an official prediction, starting with John Ariano. We're almost out of time. John at Deloitte Consulting, how far in the future do you predict something will be different about this? Will we maybe not even call them millennials? John, 30 seconds (laughs) predictions? Yeah,
3: absolutely. So I think really quickly, so millennials are no longer leaders of tomorrow but they are now leaders of today. So we have to understand that first and foremost. I think within the next, you know, year to four years, you're going to see many organizations now facing this loyalty challenge, start ramping up and starting to put a strategy or an approach together on how we retain us. So I go back to the retention side of it, and you will see a more, an increase within organizations within the next, you know, one to four or five years really um, starting to develop a strategy and approach.
0: Thank you very much, and anybody wants to see that article about Doug Shackelford, it's uh, Deloitte.wsj.com. John, you might want to take a peek. I'm going to tweet it at hashtag SAP Radio, and Absolutely. so now let's turn to Selena Rogers at CFO. What's next coming down the pike? 30 seconds. Prediction, Selena, go.
1: I'd say that in 10 years, by 2026, millennials will really dominate finance leadership, and In that capacity, we'll see tremendous improvement in the kind of enterprise technology that's at work in finance and an expansion of finance's influence that runs in tandem with their rise beyond finance to include other organizational sort of former silos that become more and more part of finance work and part of the finance scope um, due to their interest in bringing value and meaning
0: to their working lives. Value and meaning, very important. I think we all aspire to that. Henry Schliebs, talk to me. 30 seconds, but I mean 30 seconds. Go fast. Ready.
4: <laughs> yeah, I agree to what John and Selena said. Millennials are already here. They will make up the majority of finance leadership uh, by then, and they will have probably as one of their major initiatives, how do I manage the next generation, the homeland generation, right? Given the Mm -hmm. fact that uh, people getting into elementary school these days, 50% of those people, of those kids, will have a job that is not existing today. So they will have to face some way bigger problems than uh, we're facing with the millennials right now. And I wish them all the luck in the world.
0: I do, too. And I have a favorite picture of my older granddaughter, who is now 17, and uh, secretary of the National Honor Society at her high school in Florida. And she was falling asleep with her fingers on a keyboard at three months old. (laughs) <laughs> what can I tell you? It just happens. That's the way it is. These kids had their own max when they were three, three years old. My goodness gracious, cutting your teeth, Selena Rogers. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. Henry Schliebs, always a pleasure. John Ariano with Deloitte Consulting. So nice to meet you. One of so many thought leaders from Deloitte who've joined us on Game Changers. Thank you to Michael, you. our engineer at the Business Channel team, and Chris Grundy at SAP, who sponsors this series. And I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action real fast. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow on Coffee Break with Game Changers, 11 a.m. Eastern. Bye-bye.
2: Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O and join host Bonnie D. Graham Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.